Matthew chapter 17. About 20 minutes after. Okay, cool. I know. All right. Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to read, be reading from uh, verses 14 to 20. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. That's the NLT. Matthew chapter 17. Verses 14 to 20. But rather than the King James, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When you get there, say amen. Verse 14, Matthew 17, New Living Translation. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but, don't miss that, they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? I'm reading the Bible. Bring the boy here to me. Verse 18, then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Jesus says in verse 20, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. I want to talk around the thought, the subject this morning, a mustard seed faith. A mustard seed faith. Are y'all praying with me? Is anybody praying with me? I need your prayers. Father, we ask that you would bless this word, this message today, this, this, this morning. Bless the hearers. Let your word fall on fertile ground, not only inside the church, but for those that are viewing via social media. Lord, do what only you can do. Convince, convict, and convert. You get glory, praise, and honor to yourself, and we promise ahead of time to give you back all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. With thanksgiving always. And all of God's people said amen, amen, and amen. A mustard seed faith. Notice the frustration from Jesus in verse 17. We just read it. Both with his disciples and his people. He lumped them together as a faithless and twisted generation. Jesus' comments in the passage seem to suggest in his humanity, Jesus was growing weary of his time among the people. In other words, unbelief can certainly cause weariness and frustration. Especially in the eyes of a 
Savior who's already proven himself. He has demonstrated his deity and his miracle working power on a number of occasions. Amen, somebody. It's not the first time when he does this miracle here. Jesus is kind of trying to say, what's up with this? This ain't the first time I've done this. But you guys, you people keep on acting like you don't understand or know where I'm coming from. Remember, this was the same Jesus who healed a paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2. He had displayed his power over sickness and his authority to forgive. This was the same Jesus who healed a man with a withered hand in Mark chapter 3 and demonstrated his authority to do good on the Sabbath. This was the same Jesus who calmed the storm in Mark chapter 4 and demonstrated his power over nature. This was the same Jesus that raised Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5. Showed he had power over death. You mean to tell me you're going to ask me? This was the same Jesus. Somebody say same Jesus. That could provide food when he fed the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6 and another 4,000 in Mark chapter 8. This was the same Jesus who was seen walking on water in the midst of a storm. The same Jesus. And you're going to question whether or not he can do this? No wonder he was frustrated. The same Jesus who healed a deaf mute in Mark chapter 7 and gave him the ability to hear and speak. I said, no wonder Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? I'm reading the Bible. How long must I put up with you? I, I, I can imagine Jesus saying that not to you, but to other people. He's proven over and over again how he'll take care of you from the pulpit to the door, ceiling to the floor. And we still act like God ain't done nothing. We still have spiritual amnesia. This ain't the first time that you've been wanting. It's not the first time that you had a family member that's sick or in a bit of affliction. It's not the first time that you were in a desperate situation. You got to star 69 or something and go back and remember it's the same Jesus that pulled you out before. I wish I had something with The same Jesus. The text reveals it was certainly a humiliating experience for the disciples. Crowds of people were following them, and when they were faced with the boy with the evil spirit, they tried to deliver him from his demon possession, but found they were completely powerless. Imagine them saying, uh, we've got the power of the Lord on our side, and then try to exercise it, and nothing happened. Amen, somebody. And then people, here's the thing. They don't blame G, uh, you. They blame Jesus. Amen. When you are walking around and living like you are powerless, people, see, we give God a bad name. 
We talk about we know the Lord and serve the Lord. Then we walk around like spiritual wimps. Like we're hopeless and helpless like everybody else. No wonder the world don't want your Jesus. If he can't do nothing for you, don't tell me about what he can do for me. Oh, y'all ain't hearing God. No wonder they say, look, just come on back to the bar and let's have a drink on it. But wait a minute. Before we have any misunderstanding, I want y'all to prick your ears up. Wait a minute, my church family, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's stop here just for a moment. I am not suggesting nor advocating that we should be actively engaged in going around casting out demons. Y'all better hear me. Now go out here and talk about Pastor Tom. No, I didn't say that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I, I pray that is clear. Don't let nobody lie on me. Because if you are actively and faithfully engaged in service to the Lord, the demon's going to come after you anyhow. I wish I had some witnesses. But I am saying, say this is what pastor is saying. I am saying that much of the powerlessness against evil and the demonic spirit activity and the power of the devil that believers, many of them are experiencing in their homes today with their children, with their families, in their communities, and in this nation is directly a result of the absence of sincere, fervent prayer. And sometimes you got to have fasting in with that. Sometimes it's just prayer, but there are other times you got to fast. I wish I had some Bible readers there. Sometimes you got to fast and pray. Do I have a witness? Mark chapter 9, verses 24 to 29 says, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the, that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he become he, he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There's some things that prayer handles, but there's some things that prayer needs to go, or that fasting needs to go along with your prayer. Amen, somebody. Notice, somebody said, what is fasting? I don't want to assume that we know. See, fasting is a powerful spiritual discipline. Through fasting and prayer, the Holy Spirit can transform your life and mine. Jesus himself spent time fasting and praying during his life on earth. And most commonly, fasting is when you abstain from eating food or a certain type of food for a period of time. There's more than one way because somebody said, well, I got to take this food and all that. I'm not talking. Then there's other ways. It's abstaining from something that you normally do 
for the purpose of becoming more sensitized to the Holy Spirit. You know when you're full, you can't function right. you all full, you can't hardly talk, and you're bloated. When you abstain from that God, you'll say, I don't want nothing to interfere with me hearing from you. In my marriage, in my trouble, I'm going to deny me so I can get more of you. I wish I had some. Fasting. You got an impossible situation. God said, that's not impossible with me. But you need to do your part. You need to uh, uh, prove that you're really serious. Sometimes you can fast by skipping certain meals or not eating until a certain time in the evening. My wife and I, oftentimes when we've gone away, we wouldn't eat until 6 o'clock in the evening. Now, that won't work for somebody to say, I don't eat anyway until 6. But for me, who's used to breakfast, y'all ain't going to help me. For people who used to eating breakfast and lunch sometime, waiting until 6 or 7 in the evening is it, 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 a discipline. Amen, somebody. You can't eat when you smell pizza. We on vacation riding down Richmond Road and they got sausages floating out the windows and all that stuff. No, it's denying self. You can deny sex when you're fasting, not when you're fussing. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Some of y'all say, uh huh, no. I ain't saying being mean. I'm talking about you fasting. I said the purpose is to shut out life distractions so you can become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's presence, influence, and guidance in your life. Was that a teaching moment for anybody? So we're clear. And when God's people practice biblical fasting and prayer, because you got people that fast, but it's not the same reason we do it. Hello, somebody. They worship in idols and all that other stuff. So don't get bamboozled because you see somebody fasting. Fasting. Don't bother with either. That's not your problem. Your purpose to argue with people. I want to stress the fact that my theology has not changed. I have not drifted or shifted into belief that we are to go about chasing after demons. But if you're serious about righteous living, the enemy is going to come after you. And you just have to be prepared. Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 12 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Did y'all see that? And in the power of his might. Put on, said you got to do something. Put on the whole armor of God. That you, why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles, the snares, the tricks, the strategies of the devil. You got to prepare yourself, not every month, every day when you wake up, somebody ought to say, Lord, I purpose to put on all the armor, the whole piece, all the pieces. You don't leave out of your house defenseless. Some of us got hell when you get to your job. You want to be prepared that the flesh, that's another sermon for another time because there's something about uh, the enemy inside of us that's another sermon coming y'all keep on wrestling and wondering why it's an answer we don't wrestle against flesh and blood 
Stop fighting and fussing with your husband and your wife and your children and your neighbors. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I've told my both my sons, I've told anybody will listen. Sometimes I have to remind myself, you arguing and fussing, but sometimes you need to, you can't fight a spiritual warfare in the flesh. That's why you easy to cuss somebody, rolling all off you. You right where the devil wants you to be. Flesh breeds more flesh. Then we try to outdo who cuss somebody else. Y'all looking at me, I didn't say you or you, but if the shoe fits. Some of us need to stop playing and start genuinely and fervent, passionate praying. Stop playing with God. I'm talking about a mustard seed faith. Y'all give me about 15 more minutes. The church, I believe the church, Christian believers in this satanically oppressive world system oftentimes seem powerless to deal with and to defeat the demonic forces of unbelief. Immorality, murders, self-entitlement, substance abuse, divorce in the Christian marriage, and the increasing rise of evil, prejudice, and injustice. You got a whole lot of Christians in some places. They advocating for this uh, Christian uh, uh, where, where, where you've got one na nationalism. Jesus never came and said that one nation is going to be supreme. Jesus said, go ye all over, everywhere. You don't promote just one. It, 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 listen, I love my country, our country. I Listen, I didn't, did enough in here and had uh, 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 ancestors that have. I ain't going nowhere. But don't tell me there's not racial, uh, racial, uh, racial uh, 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 imbalance and, 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 and prejudice going on. You got some people that go to church every Sunday, pray and kneel down and still can't stand you. Y'all, I'm, I'm somewhere y'all listen. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Let me take it a step further. This is just past the point. I think he's covered up some Christians that they ain't believing. Come on, we putting it all on unsaved folks. Sometimes God says, y'all doing enough shooting yourself in the foot that I, look, unsaved folks said, I'm doing better off where I am than being where you are, hypocrite. I didn't call you a hypocrite. That only fits if it's a, appropriate for you. Out there, I didn't say that. Oh, see, that's why I don't talk to him. He too straight up. You go everywhere else straight up. You have your drink straight up. Let me move on. Paul knew there was a reason that many refused to listen to the gospel of grace, God's grace. He already knew that, but there's hope for us. Somebody said, thank God for hope. I wasn't going to leave you hanging. No way. Notice the parable of the mustard seed also describes how God's kingdom grows in the life of each believer. When a believer puts his or her trust in Jesus, we just finished talking about that Bible, so it's still going to be talking. The Holy Spirit comes to live within, but does not live, but to abide, to rule. Amen, somebody. 
Some of us got a problem with letting somebody else be in control over us. Y'all ain't going to tell. Christians have a lot of problems, some of them, in giving control of their lives to the Lord. Because as humanly, we just don't want to give up control. Come on, somebody. I know it's in your house. You ain't giving up control. No, this is my house. This is the way I do it. And God says, go ahead and do it the way you want to. But don't complain when your way you want to do it blows up in your face. Can I get a witness? The mustard seed. John 14 and 12 says, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. God has a plan for you and me. God has never and will never leave us without a plan. And our primary focus is on the faith associated with the mustard seed. All right? And we need to interpret this passage correctly. The context. And Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And they encounter a man with a demon-possessed child. And the man told Jesus that he brought his son to Jesus' disciples, but they couldn't cast the demon out. That's what's going on in here. And Jesus has to take control or take over and do what they couldn't do. And that's why you read that he says, oh, you faithless, perverse, and all that kind of stuff. If you had the faith of a mustard seed. Am I right about it? See, Jesus used the mustard size faith being able to move mountains because he knew that the Jews of that day would know that he was referring to a seemingly impossible task. Amen. It's not saying, because I hear somebody, oh, you mean I can move a mountain or go out and tell a car to get, no. you just plain foolish. Mountains, listen, are a symbol of stability. And when Jesus spoke of mountains being moved or even more dramatically thrown into the sea, he's really invoking a human impossibility. But the point he was making that even if you had a little bit of faith, the size of a mustard seed, it can overcome mountain-sized obstacles in your life and mine. Is that making sense? We just got over a series about giants. Does anybody remember that we can conquer giants? Mountain-sized obstacles. Faith is so vital in all of this. In Hebrews chapter 11, as I hasten on, verse 6 the Amplified Translation says, but without faith, it is impossible. Listen, the Amplified Translation says, without faith, is it impossible to walk with God and please him? For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who listen earnestly and diligently seek him. You can't run game on God and call on him when you feel like it and then put him down when you don't and you pick him. No, God is not a genie that you call on when you when I want to be good. And then when I don't want to be so good, I, I, I leave him out. And I, you know, Jesus said, if I'm in your house, let me stay there. Don't put me out on the porch. Y'all looking at me funny. Some of us, uh, uh, Jesus is on the outside trying to get back in and you got him sitting on the porch or sleeping out on the backyard. 
Now, God saved us by grace. And the mustard seed faith is not about largeness. It's about believing God. Am I right about it? It's about believing God. They had power, but they didn't know how to use it. I don't know who God is talking to this morning. But small beginnings can result in great and massive outcomes. Am I right about it? Let me see if I can help you here. There's other examples and at least three things that we can learn from this passage. Y'all want to get this. At least three things that we can get from this passage. Number one, the greatest things have the smallest beginnings. Y'all got that? Y'all didn't get it? Fine. We cannot, number two, rely on our own abilities. And number three, mustard seed roots run deep. Amen. You said repeat it? Okay. The greatest things have the smallest beginnings. That's number one. Number two, and then y'all can go back on uh, YouTube and I'll pick this up. Facebook. We cannot, number two, rely on our own abilities. Number three. Mustard seed roots run deep. I repeat, the greatest things have the smallest beginnings. Remember, Moses was called by God out of obscurity to challenge Pharaoh and secure the release of the Israelites from oppression. You remember Moses said, who am I? And started talking about what he's, I'm slow speed, I can't talk and all that, send somebody else. You need to remember just like I had to be reminded. I don't know who God is talking to. God is not concerned about your capability or mine. He's got that covered already. But he is more concerned about you making yourself available. It's not capability. It's being available. Hello, somebody. God is talking about you keep talking about what you can't do, this, that. God said, I didn't ask you that. If I called you to do an assignment, I've already got that covered. I want some available people. Make yourself available. Stop making excuses for why you can't serve God. I got to work. I got to go to school. God said, how you think you're able to work and go to school because of me? Make yourself available. I can't give, I ain't got that much. If you give out of what you got, I'll give you more so you can give more. Uh, Joseph was despised by his brothers and sold into slavery. God rescued him from the prison and led him to, to having a position, a senior official. Amen, somebody. God uses small and insignificant things, and we can't rely on our own self abilities we got to learn how to listen move from self-reliance to god reliance is that clear you got to move from relying on you to relying on god i told you it's hard for people to give up because they used to doing it themselves and that's a new whole new thing when god wants me to listen i had to make it on my own way back god said you didn't do that on your own 
You didn't know me then, but I was still taking care of you when you were eating out the trash can. I was still taking care of you when you were pumping needles into your arm. I was still taking care of you when you were selling your body out there. I was still taking care of you. Don't tell me you had to take care of yourself. I took care of you when you didn't know yourself. Uh, Self-reliance. You don't want that. Self-reliance makes us feel hopeless in our circumstances. But God-reliance gives us hope in all our circumstances. Self-reliance paralyzes us and keeps us stuck in fear. God-reliance overcomes fear. Self-reliance makes us unfaithful because we position ourselves to not need anyone, including God, for anything. But God-reliance is faithfulness to God and to other people. Self-reliance causes us to be unbelievers or to, to be unbelieving. And we only trust what we can see. But God-reliance exercises our faith in him and what he can do in our lives. And when we rely on God and not on ourselves, there's freedom from worry and fear. Somebody keeps on worrying and fearful now, and I'm not saying it's easy, but you haven't fully trusted God yet. And guess what? I didn't say it's easy. I'm getting ready to close. I'm getting ready to close, but mustard seed roots run deep. Just as a tree needs deep roots to withstand the storms, we need to be deeply rooted in Jesus. Not a casual cursory I know him. Don't lie. You don't know him. You really don't know him. Because if you knew him like you say you know him, you wouldn't be panicking like you do. You wouldn't be living as hopeless and helpless. Even if you're laying with cancer, somebody's still saying, I know my God is able. Amen. <laughs> you're in a situation, you still, I don't know whether or not he's going to deliver me, but I know he's able. I, I, I got to go in the fiery furnace uh, uh, with the three boys, but, but, but if he don't deliver me out of the fire, I know he's able. Anybody ever been in a fire and you thought you was all by yourself? And just like the Hebrew boys, there was a fourth person in the fire with you. God will walk with you. He will talk with you. Yeah, somebody. He'll let you know that you need to know that God will do nothing. He can't fail. He's always faithful. All I'm saying is God wants us to at least have a mustard-sized faith. Jonas and have characteristics, and I don't want to hold you. I'm going to give you the points, and y'all just figure it out for now. But you can tell whether or not you have a mustard-seed faith or whether or not the person that says they have faith, there's traits that you can identify for yourself. And their characteristics, and I'm gonna give you these points, and maybe another time I'll explain it. How about that? Y'all can take it maybe to be your study while I'm away. Can I give you these points? Put it, put it down, somebody. See, some of us don't take notes, and then you go back crying with God, and God says, every time I, I speak to you, you shut me down. But here is... The characteristics of the mustard seed faith in an individual and in you. Number one, 
it's unaffected by other people, places, and things around it. That's how you know. You're not affected by other people's stuff. Can I move on? There's a whole lot to unpack, but I ain't going to do it. Time. Secondly, a mustard seed faith, you want to know if you have it? It cannot be changed into, into anything other than what it is. Did y'all get that? You can't change it into anything other than what it is. You can't fake it till you make it. You either have it or you don't. That's why some people come into church out to throw on a praise and you, you say, that's so phony. Let me move on. Number three, a mustard seed faith. This is how you know whether or not somebody else has it or you have it. It is tenacious and grows in unfavorable conditions. See, I wanted to unpack tena tenacity. It don't give up. You can come to me and tell me the, the, the world is coming apart because some people tell, I don't know what we're going to do with all of this. And if we get so and so back in the White House, the White House don't control my house. God's house controls my house. The president don't, I respect him, but I got another man. I got Jesus who controls the White House and anybody that gets in that house. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we going to serve the Lord. That's it. Give God some praise. That's a good one. A little bit of that, Tamika. We're going to go, we're going to get, just before we do our communion, just, just worship God. This is a different kind of service today. Sister Christine, I just feel like worshiping. I'm grateful to see you and your family. Yeah. I'm grateful to see everybody here. I won't see you guys for a few weeks and and, 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 and that bothers me. I know y'all could care less about me, some of you. But 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 when when I say I love you, I, I mean it. Now there are different kinds of love. But I'm trying to get the agape, and I'm working towards it. But I do love you. On and on. About your somebody just focus on the Lord right now. Mustard seed faith. Because I'm grateful. Grateful. Any grateful folks? So grateful. Anybody here grateful? Uh, let me wave your hand if you're grateful. Anybody grateful? Any grateful folks? Hey, hey, hey. Flowing from my heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. is to Is is Thank you, Lord. Lord, Thank you, I'm Lord. grateful. Thank you, Lord. 
Yes, be I'm grateful. grateful, Lord. Pastor Point and his family, I grateful. I'm grateful. For the we I could go on and on and on about your word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because, because I'm grateful, grateful, so grateful for just Hallelujah. to praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blowing from, flowing from my heart. All the issues, all the issues of my heart. His gratefulness is gratefulness. Give God some praise. Hallelujah, 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 it's gratefulness. It's gratefulness. It's gratefulness. It's gratefulness. It's gratefulness. Hallelujah. Any grateful folk, just wave your hand. I'm grateful, Jesus. I want to know I'm not over there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we prepare for our communion, does everybody have a communion set? Everybody? Is anybody that does not? Thank you. Thank you, Minister Gilbert, for being just so attentive and everybody else singing and falling in. Remember on that night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed. You remember that night that he sat with his disciples. He broke the bread. He told them to eat. And in eating that, they would rem remember his body that was given on their behalf. Some people teach his body was broken. No, it wasn't broken. But he did that so that we could become whole. And also on that night that he was betrayed, the Bible says he poured the fruit of the vine, gave thanks, and told them to drink. And as oftentimes that they do that, they do show for their remembrance of what the Lord Jesus Christ had did. And the drinking of this juice is not drinking his blood, but it's in remembrance of his shed blood. Because the Bible says without the shedding of his blood, there could never be any forgiveness for our sins. Am I right about it, somebody? So pull back the top portion. Get to the wafer. Anybody get the wafer yet? I just got it. Let's eat. Remember the body. His body was given for us. Thank you, Lord, somebody said. Pull back the bottom portion. This juice, which represents his shed blood. Again, we're not drinking blood. We're drinking in remembrance of his shed blood. Let's drink together. The Bible says they went away celebrating, singing. Let's go away. No, we're not going. I want y'all to stay for soul food. Is anybody going to stay? 
Amen for a little bit. I pray we're dismissed. Uh, let's go have a fellowship. God bless you and have a smile upon you. Give God some praise. Oh, at the cross, at the cross. At the cross.